Lord God, you indeed have filled the cup of our lives to overflowing by your grace. Help us to respond with genuine gratitude and thanksgiving and to find the secret to contentment in this life. For Jesus' sake, amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were here last week, you know that Pastor John introduced the topic that we're going to be completing today under the theme, The Secret to Contentment. And I want to mention that the information that we're sharing, much of it is available in a nice little brochure on the topic of contentment. We have some hard copies of this available at the Information Center. Or you can download this electronically onto your smartphone or your device. Uh, Download the app that's free. It's called Project Connect. It's from Luthenauer Ministries. And when you download that app, you have access to 50 or more different brochures, including this one, for your own reading or to share with other people. We're talking about what it means to be content. And last week, Pastor John introduced the first three of five practices that lead to contentment in this life. First of all, he mentioned, just by way of review, uh, about getting right with ambition. You know, there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, but the question is, are we ambitious about the right things? And if we're ambitious about the wrong things, it can lead to great discontent in life. But on the other side, being ambitious about the right things leads toward contentment. Secondly, he talked about dumping materialism, recognizing that, you know, just when we just focus on the stuff of this life and getting more stuff, it really doesn't bring satisfaction and contentment. I mean, isn't it true that the more things you own, the more things own you? Materialism never brings real contentment. And so we need to dump materialism for a a, a greater understanding of where true treasure is found, that true treasure ultimately is found in heaven and in the people that we help lead there. And then the third thing he mentioned was leveraging generosity. That one of the the practices that helps lead to contentment is when we are generous with the things that we've been blessed with. You know, God blesses us with the time we have, with the talents and unique abilities we each have, with with, uh, material treasures and blessings. And as we are generous in those things, benefiting other people and honoring God with those things, we find a deeper sense of contentment in life. But let's take a, look, take a look at the last two of these five practices that lead to contentment. Number four is this, discovering the genius of gratitude. Gratitude has a powerful effect on how content we are in life. Did you know that the Bible mentions the, uh, the act of giving thanks almost 70 times? An indication that God must think that's pretty important. That as we are grateful to God for all that we've received, that will lead to a greater sense of contentment in life. I want to challenge you to do a little personal experiment. Okay? Try this out. Try writing down five things for which you are thankful or grateful each day for 30 days. Five things a day 
for 30 days and they can't be the same things and keep a comprehensive list. I assure you that if you get to the end of 30 days of writing down five things a day you're grateful for, not only will you have quite an extensive list, you will have a deeper appreciation for God's blessing. And it will move your heart to be more grateful for all of the things God has done on your behalf. Psalm 107 that we read a moment ago started off with these words. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Do you know very many things that last very long? Certainly not very many things that last forever. God's love endures forever. He never stops loving us. His love never gives out or gives up. He always loves us. Even when we've messed up, God loves us so much he's there to forgive our sins. His love endures forever and that moves us, friends, to give him thanks and gratitude. You know, when, when God's love is properly considered, it moves us to that kind of attitude in our heart that, that truly wants to praise and thank him. And that will lead to a greater sense of being content in our daily living. I love that gospel story we heard from Luke 17 a moment ago, that story of where Jesus meets up with those 10 lepers. He's walking along the border between Samaria and Galilee to the north. Remember, in Israel, in New Testament times, in the south was Judea, in the central region was Samaria, and up north was Galilee. So he's going along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and these ten men call from a distance, Master, help us. And he says to them, Go and show yourself to the priests, and as they're going... They are all healed. Listen to the rest of that story one more time. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, notice, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There is so much in that story and such important takeaways. I want to highlight just a couple of them. The first one is this. Genuine gratitude is accompanied by praise to God. Genuine gratitude is followed up with praise to God. He's the one to whom we are ultimately grateful that, uh, that Samaritan person, it tells us in the text, didn't just say thank you. He praised God in a loud voice. And then he came and poured himself at Jesus' feet and thanked Jesus for his love. But he praised God. Gratitude goes along with praise. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, namely heaven, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Gratitude is accompanied with praise. And then a second takeaway from this story is this, that gratitude and praise flow from one's faith. They flow from faith. A person, a person without faith can only be grateful on a certain low level. True gratitude and, of course, praise flows from our faith in God. 
Notice that in that story of the 10 lepers, Jesus commended the faith of the one. And he was a Samaritan, not a Jew. Evidently, this Samaritan man had heard about Jesus and was brought to faith in Jesus. When Jesus says, your faith has made you well, it could also be translated, your faith has saved you. Evidently, this man was experiencing more than just physical healing. He had experienced the touch of grace. He understood Jesus was the Messiah and that his sins were forgiven through him. Your faith has saved you. And out of that faith flows this gratitude and praise. Well, it's true for you and me as well, friends. Gratitude and praise flow naturally out of this genuine faith we have in our Savior. In Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, Paul wrote this. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. There it is. True thankfulness flows out of a heart of faith. Faith in God. Now I know it can be somewhat easy, I guess, for those of us who have been believers for many years to to take the story of Jesus for granted, but can I challenge you to pause for just a minute? Stop and consider exactly what God did for us at the cross. Think about this. By all rights of justice, God the eternal judge should have and could have sent every one of us to hell and said, away with you forever. You've broken my commands. But out of absolute love for people, he chose a different way. Now, he had to punish sin. He had to punish it because someone had to pay for it. But instead of punishing us who deserve it, he punished his own innocent son instead. And the one born in Bethlehem who grew up to be the man who had the name, one who saves, Yeshua in Hebrew, we say Jesus, the one who has the name, Savior, took the punishment we all deserved on that cross. He suffered more than we could possibly imagine physically, and beyond that, he suffered damnation from God the Father. That's evidenced by his words from the cross as he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he was experiencing what we would call hell, being cut off from God and his love. Jesus was damned in your place and mine. And why? Pure, amazing grace and love. He did it because he would rather go through that than spend eternity without you. He so much wants you to be in heaven with him forever. He gave his life for you. Such incredible love. Such amazing grace. And so much for which we are to be grateful. You know, God-centered gratitude is what truly leads to the contented life. God-centered gratitude. Now, in your own daily living, you may be struggling with kind of a sense of discontent. Maybe you're kind of discontent with the house you're in or discontent with the car you drive, discontent with the job you have, maybe even discontent with the family around you. I don't know. Discontentment can take over in our lives. 
But if you are wrestling with a sense of discontentment, I'd like to ask you this rather stark, in-your-face kind of question. Is it possible that your discontent is related to a lack of gratitude to God? Is it possible that your sense of discontent is related to a lack of gratitude to God? And that brings us to the final segment of, uh, of this message and the final segment of our series. And to this question, where are you seeking satisfaction or fulfillment? Where are you seeking satisfaction or fulfillment? Do you kind of resonate with the uh, Rolling Stones lyric, I can't get no satisfaction, and I try, and I try, and I try, and I try, but I just can't get no satisfaction. I know it's bad English, terrible grammar, but, <laughs> but the point is clear. People strive in all different ways trying to find satisfaction in life. And the temptation is to seek satisfaction in all the wrong places. But the fifth practice that leads to contentment is this. Finding our satisfaction in God. Finding satisfaction in God. St. Paul himself is, is a good example of someone who finally came to that understanding. Remember, in his early adult life, back when he went by his Hebrew name, Saul or Saul, he had every reason to feel satisfied from a worldly perspective. I mean, he had it all. He had power, authority, possessions, reputation. He had it all. But after his conversion, conversion to Christianity, after he came a, became a believer in Jesus, all of that changed. His perspective on life changed completely. He came to understand that there was a different source for true satisfaction, different from anything in this world. And he writes about that in today's epistle lesson. I know you've heard it once. I want to read it once again to underscore the point. In these words, Paul reveals the source of his true satisfaction. He says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And the highlight of that section is verse 8. Did you catch it? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's his source of satisfaction. You see, what I want us to understand, friends, is that true satisfaction is found not in the things of this world, but it's found in a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm just think about what it is that you receive as a benefit in a relationship with Jesus, in trusting in Him. You have the full assurance that all of your errors and mistakes and sins have been wiped away at the cross. 
You have the absolute promise that the day you die, your soul goes straight to heaven to be with your Savior Jesus, awaiting the day of resurrection when your body will then be raised, transformed into a heavenly body, joined again with your soul, and you'll be in heaven forever with that glorified body and with those fellow believers you know. Won't it be majestic? See, a faith relationship in Jesus Christ gives us the assurance for that eternal future, but it also gives us something to hold on to right now. It gives us an inner sense of joy that we can face whatever trials may come because of Jesus. It gives us a sense of peace, knowing that we don't have to strive to make ourselves right with God. He has made us right with himself. It gives us a a sense of purpose for living, that this life has meaning, that we live for the glory of God in everything we do. And if I can summarize everything we've said in these two sessions, the secret to contentment is Jesus. It's that simple. Considering everything that he has done for us, the secret to being truly content is Jesus. It's what Paul concluded, and he writes about it in in Philippians chapter 4, a little later in the same book. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And he went through some pretty terrible circumstances. And he goes on and says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him, that is through Christ, who gives me strength. I want you to look again at that list of five practices that lead to contentment. But this time, I want you to read them in reverse and consider the impact. If you, first of all, find your greatest satisfaction in God, in your Savior Jesus Christ, that's going to lead you to a greater sense of gratitude. It's going to make you more grateful, and it's also going to make you more generous and giving for the sake and the benefit of others and for the glory of God. It's also going to help you put material things in their proper perspective and recognize that the greatest treasure of all is something eternal, not something of earth. And then finally, it's going to help you have a proper understanding of ambition. It's going to help you to see that your greatest ambition and your most passionate uh, thing to to be excited about is eternal. And seeing to it that people are in heaven with you one day. Pastor John and Pastor Jeremy and I would like to finish this series with issuing a challenge to the members of Shepherd of the Desert. A challenge to go from a deeper understanding of your contentment in Christ to then a deeper commitment to your Lord Jesus Christ in all you do. We want to see all of our members going deeper in their faith walk with Christ and make a commitment along those lines. In fact, this week you'll be receiving a letter in the mail that is a a challenge to you to make a commitment for next year in terms of, first of all, the use of your time to give some of your time for the benefit of the ministry through Shepherd of the Desert. We're going to challenge you to give some of your talents, your abilities in service, in ministry, in some fashion in this congregation. And we're going to challenge you to give some of your material blessings God has given you for the sake of the greater mission of leading people to follow Jesus. 
With that letter, you'll have a, a little card, a commitment card. We're going to ask you to complete that. Put it in the envelope and seal it. And we're going to ask you to bring that with you next Sunday, November 20th, which is our commitment Sunday. And we're all going to bring our envelopes next Sunday. Now, we're not going to see what's in those envelopes. The only one who sees that is Joe Ellen in the office, the business manager who provides you your receipts and statements on your contributions. But this is private. It's between you and God. But there's something powerful about bringing your commitment and all of us bringing them together and saying, I commit my time, talent, and treasure for the good of the Lord and for the greatness of the kingdom. And so that's next week. You know, God truly desires that we live lives of contentment. I don't think he's pleased if we live lives of worry and strife and wondering if this life has any meaning. Friends, I pray that you experience the blessedness of finding true contentment in Jesus through whom you can do all things. Amen. May the peace of God.